I like your logo. <laughs> oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world-governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. Ha ha, yeah, will. And welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to Tin Foil Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. There we go. Join me as always, my partner in crime, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Xavier Guerrero. What's up? And on the ones and twos over there, since Johnny's going to see his dad still again, <laughs> uh, Aaron's back in the saddle, ready to hear some truth. Aaron, are you excited? <sighs> yes, that's what we Woo. like to hear, guys. Dude, yeah. thank you guys. First of all, I just want to say thank you guys so much for uh, supporting the show. We got the number 24. Aaron, did you hear that? Number 24 on comedy on iTunes. That's right. We're up banging with the big boys, and we owe it all to you guys. So thank you very much. Um, Lynn, if you could turn down the volume real quick just so I don't hear reverb. Uh, guys, we got some shows... Uh-huh. Coming up, we have some shows coming up. Uh, we got big shows coming up. Uh, March 19th, we are live at the Ice House. We are the Ice Wall at the Ice House. It is uh, Eddie Bravo, Xavier Guerrero, myself, and we got Jimmy Dore there. And we're going to add a couple other comics to an awesome lineup. That is a Thursday, March 19th show. Uh, then we have the April 11th. We are live at the Rec Room in Huntington Beach. Uh, it's the tickets are flying there. Grab those tickets now. Myself, Eddie Bravo, uh, Xavier Guerrero, and we got Tresmala and Tino Sanchez joining us there. So that show is going to rock. And then, of course, we got May first. We're in uh, we're in where Spokane, Spokane, Spokane. The May second, which is a four thirty show, Tacoma, and then May 9th, Proud to be back. At the boom, boom, boom. The Den Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Den Theater. And I also forgot to tell you about the uh, April 16th show. I am live at in Ventura at the uh, Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. And that will be myself and Annie Letterman. So come get weird, guys. Uh, a lot of stuff's going on. Check out the Patreon. I'm doing I'm doing 20-minute bangers. I take whatever big story's going on. I give you my take on it. I'm trying to do them every day or every day, other day. Normally, I'll do a Sunday fun day, Q&A, and AMA, Ask Me Anything. Unfortunately, I have two daughters, and I couldn't get to it yesterday, so I'm going to go home today and do it for you. Uh, t-shirts are rocking. Go to Tin Fall Hat T-shirts. A lot of great. The Joker shirts are going up. The Rick and Morty shirts are going up. So it's a great way to support the show. Support the show. It's really great because I want to start doing more and more episodes, okay? And the only way we could do that is if we could make enough money on the show in order to fund so that, you know, Xavier doesn't have to go work his job (laughs) as long or or, uh, Johnny can, you know, not do whatever weird things that Johnny does that nobody knows what he's doing. Visits his dad. Or I don't know what, how he makes his money. I think it has to do with chatterbait, but I don't want to say anything about it. Um, But these are great ways and, and support our sponsors, ma'am. Support the sponsors because they're really going out on a limb. Shows like this don't usually get these kind of sponsors and uh, the blessings are, that they are they are sticking with us. So uh, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at BetDSI. BetDSI for all your bet needs, man. The UFC just won. I played a parlay, didn't win, but still had a great time. NFL, XFL, basketball's heating up. Yes, the Clippers lost. Yes, I hate the Lakers. I can't wait to just destroy them in the playoffs. So what? Different story. Uh, did you watch UFC fights, by the way? Yes, I did. Did you see that girl's Klingon oh, head? Dude, that was Unbelievable. A- um, I, I can't believe they let her fight with three foreheads. Um, <laughs> but you can make bets on it. Go to BetDSI, use the promo code HAT100, and they will double up any deposit you do into, um, into your deposit, up to $500. 
golf, baseball's heating up. Get ready for the Dodgers to win it all. It's all going to happen there, and it's all thanks to our longest-running sponsors, BetDSI. Well, that's the that's the biz right there, dog. Oh, don't get, forget to brokensimulation.com. Yeah, dude, listen, man. A lot of you guys love YouTube, and I get it, but you're also complaining about YouTube. So listen, you want to get the episodes real quick, go to brokensimulation.com. And dude, if you want all my addresses, go to samtriply.com, and you can get all of um, my specials are there as well. samtriply.com. What's your social media? XG marks the spot. XG marks the spot. Aaron, what's your social media so everybody can do it? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right, Aaron. You should make uh, more hard-to-spell <laughs> handles. That's the best way to get followers. You just make it impossible for them to know how, you're, well, how to spell stuff. So. Okay, okay, good point. Uh, this is a professional show, Aaron. I don't know if you know this, but since we left, we don't joke around about farts on the show. That's uh, disrespectful <laughs> to our guests. Okay, my apologies. Uh, today's episode's a very interesting episode. Uh, you know, uh, what we're seeing in the world right now is a, uh attack on independent um, sources, whether it's, whether it's independent content creators, Bitcoin, the internet, you name it, there's a crackdown. And this is what we have, uh, as you guys know, uh, Silk Road and that whole debauchery that went on with that case. And here to talk about it, uh, she is from the freeross.org. Uh, Ross Ubrick's mother, Lynn Ubrick. How are you, Lynn? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am very honored to have you on. Uh, you know, I've read many articles, obviously watched the movie that was out, and uh, man, you're doing the Lord's work, and we re- really appreciate you spending a little time uh, coming and hanging out with us. Um, for you to do not know, the listeners, uh, Silk Road was part of this deep web or dark web, the difference between, Lynn, and you correct me if I'm wrong. The deep web is just files and information. The dark web is where more, um, what they would say, Ill, quote unquote, illegal activity might happen on there or stuff you can't necessarily get in the uh, legal market. Am I right on that or am I wrong? Or? Oh, actually, you know, it, and what I understand, I don't know if they're that different, but it's not only for illegal things. I mean, dissidents around the world use it. Tor and then the, and then that part of the uh, internet, um, you know, uh, journalists, lots of people uh, use it that want privacy, and so it's got this reputation, but it's not only criminal activity, and um, yeah, and Silk Road was about privacy and Bitcoin and all that, and so yes, it was on wasn't on your regular internet. You had to use Tor to access it which is the onion router, which is a more private way to do it. Okay. So uh, I, thanks for clearing that up. I just wasn't, I didn't know if there's a difference between the two. Can you tell us a little bit about your son? Um, a little bit about your son and what he was found guilty. I'd like to know what he's found guilty first, and then we'll get into what I believe is a complete other travesty of justice that happened here, but what was he ultimately found guilty of? Let's start at that, and then we'll backtrack from there. Okay. Um, well, the convictions and the sentence and what he was sentenced for are two different things because the government typically loads on extra stuff to make the defendant sound worse. It's very typical of behavior on their part and to pre- prejudice the jury. So ultimately, um, he was sentenced to um, essentially mostly conspiracy charges which the government also uses to widen the criminal umbrella. And um, so if you have something to, let's say you drive the getaway car and somebody murders somebody and you had no intention of doing that, you are still held totally guilty for that murder because you were in the conspiracy. And it's very easy to be in a conspiracy. So basically he was charged with a conspiracy to um, traffic narcotics because a platform that he created was used by other people, not himself, to do that. Um, by the way, it was mostly almost overwhelmingly user amounts of cannabis that were bought and sold on Silk Road, um, as far as drugs were concerned. There was legal items as well, um, 
art, electronics, um, you know, books, all kinds of things. But there were drugs, and that was the point of the of the um, sentencing. Um, he also there were conspiracy to um, hack computers, not because he hacked any computers, but that there was software sold on the site that might be used to hack computers. It never was proven to have done that. Um, money laundering because not that he did it, but that others changed um, Bitcoin exchange, for example, Bitcoin for fiat and vice versa. Um, same with fake IDs, not that he did it, but that there were some on there. Yes. And then they, they, the final blow was um, at the late in the game, they threw on the kingpin charge, which is, has its own life sentence. So Ross's sentences have double life plus 40 years without parole, first-time offender, all nonviolent charges for um, something he did on the Internet when he was 26 years old. His whole life has been taken. And for this, there's no victims named at trial. Uh, and um, so the kingpin charge, he, they're equating him with El Chapo, who, by the way, got half the sentence Ross did. And um, oh, yeah, Pablo oh, Escobar oh. and people like that, because he was a website host and creator. So that's those, those are basically why he is serving double life. That's the, the list. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your son? Like, what kind of kid was he? You know, Ross is a great guy. He always has been. He's always been very laid back, uh, easygoing, easy to raise. There's a hundred letters on our website from people who actually know him begging the judge at the time of sentencing uh, to give him um, the, the minimum she could, which would have been 20 years, but that wasn't enough for her. You know, she said, I'm going to give him the harshest sentence I can and have him leave prison's corpse, essentially, give him a walking death sentence for this. Um, but those letters are very telling because Ross is known for being, he's very idealistic, and that was really the, the impetus behind Silk Road is an idealism of libertarian values and privacy and Bitcoin. But um, he also is very sweet. He's um, compassionate. He was involved in charities. He uh, cares about people. And he's known for that and kind of for the underdog. And so you'd like him. You'd like him a lot. He's fun. He's funny. And um, I'm sure you guys will get along great. I mean, he's a, he's a good person. And I know I'm his mom, but there's, a, there's uh, you know, 100 almost people, and I'm one of them, so, who um, say that. It's and a, um, you know. he, he had a used bookstore. I mean, I don't know anybody yes. who is like uh, a psychopath who gets into the used book business. That seems to be... People who tend to like lean to the artistic side, wants to uh, you know keep the past, connect, keep a connection to the past. Uh, I He's mean, very we, liberal. By the way, that book business gave donated ten percent mm-hmm. of profits to a prison literacy program in Austin. This is the way before Silk Road. It, it was a charitably focused thing. Yeah, not he, Ross is one of the most mentally healthy and you know decent human beings you'd ever meet. Seriously, he really is. Very interesting. Um, he lived with like nothing. He was like very like minimal, he minimalist. Barely, yeah, he had anything. Very liberal. He he made Silk Road because he thought that the government shouldn't tell you what to put in your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and but, that was his like whole thing where it was like free market, free everything. Yeah. we'll get. I I have I got some stuff about that. But when you heard him, because you're totally right. When you heard um, that he was getting charged with this, what what were your thoughts? Oh, well, I mean, the whole thing hit us like, you know, a tidal wave the day he was arrested. Because, I mean, Ross had never been in trouble. This is his first offense ever. And um, so that was through us completely. By the time he was charged um, at trial, the trial was a travesty. I was shocked. I went into that trial walking past a giant statue of justice every day and was appalled at what happened in that room. And I want to get into the trial. Lynn, hold on. I want to get into trial real quick, but I I really want to talk about um, what was going on on this website because I think what's going on on the website is what scared the authority so much. And, um, And listen, man, 
Uh, we've done this show. We've done almost 300 episodes. I'll tell you that the drug trade is an inside job. It's the CIA is controlling both sides of it. Uh, we can go all the way back to the Jesuits who control both the CIA and the drug cartels. You know, you brought up El Chapo. We say it all the time on the show. He was just a district manager. He wasn't running anything. He was put there in charge to run stuff. And this website was attempt because... You know, what I've read and, you know, I've watched docs on it that they were trying to, like, kind of end the drug war because the drug war has been been nothing but but cost money and lives. It's very violent. We talk about it on the show all the time. It's like, why do Mexicans want to come to the United States so badly? Mexico is a a country where you go to visit uh, on vacations, the vacation destination. Why are these people risking their lives to come here? It's because we've completely destroyed that country with gun violence to keep the drug trade going because the CIA makes money off the drugs, makes money off not only selling the drugs, but arresting people for drugs and putting them into jail. And that's what I think really scared people about this website because they weren't going to be able to get their piece, which is exactly what Bitcoin makes them nervous about. The, the big banks can't get their, their piece of the action, and it's peer-to-peer. Uh, the website Silk Rose was very much an attempt to get to anarchy capitalism. Is that? Do you know what that's all about? Are you asking me? Um, yeah, well, I wanted to say, um, you know, it's the site was actually not created, I mean, this is what Ross has told me, specifically for drugs. It was specifically for a free market. And if people chose to exchange drugs between two people, that was fine on Silk Road, obviously. But there were lots of other things. It was a matter of what people wanted to do. Um, and by the way, it was based on the non-aggression principle a voluntary interaction, no force. So, for example, and things were prohibited, such as child porn. There was no child pornography or anything related to pedophilia on that site because it hurts a child. That's a third party. Or stolen property or different things that would hurt a third person. Those were expunged from the site and they monitored it. But um, if it was just between you and me and we chose to do that, it was allowed. And that was the whole principle. And it was really a philosophical thing. And um, the judge even said, um, we know you started the site for philosophical reasons, and we're just not sure that's a philosophy you've left behind. And so she justified her sentence, in part, based on this libertarian philosophy, which should concern us all, because we should be able to have our philosophy and not be afraid of being thrown in a cage for the rest of our lives. But, um, and the drug war, it's not only the CIA or whatever, it's it's huge amounts of jobs. It's a jobs program. It's all kinds of people feeding off mass incarceration. I see it all the time when I go to prisons. You know, there's just various things that it costs a lot of money to cage people. Very, very expensive. And that taxpayer's paying it. And, um, yeah. Um, and it doesn't stop drug use. That's been well proven. And, uh, but the government does benefit. Um, and a lot of people benefit. And it also government power is expanded. They can um, shred our constitutional rights, like with civil asset forfeiture, for one example. So it's a big power grab and money grab, and it doesn't stop anyone from using drugs, and it does increase violence. You're right. Just like alcohol prohibition created the mafia, this creates the cartels. So, so but was that, that probably wasn't even your question. I'm sorry. What was no, your 100%. 100%. So I... So, Basically, the rules of Silk Road, and you'd state this earlier, but I just want to re- revisit it, is, you know, no violence, right? right. No violence, right. no kitty porn, nothing no. like that. Uh, it was meant to be like uh, just a idealistic marketplace where honesty and, 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 uh, and, and honest transactions happen. And, and when you look at like the... The the charges put against them that goes against everything everything that that the website was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Ross is known as a very peaceful person. I mean, he in fact, when he was in prison, he was thrown into a uh, extremely dangerous, violent prison because of his life sentence uh, in Colorado. It was very gang heavy. Very um, lots of murders and stabbings and beatings routinely. It was very dangerous, 
And there was a thing where he was being pressured, well, extremely pressured with another guy to beat up another prisoner they decided was a snitch. And he said, I'm not beating up some guy. I don't even know. I'm not going to do this. That put him in danger. He refused to do it. And um, so then he was put in um, protective custody, which was essentially an 8 by 10 metal box with no window for three and a half months before he was moved to a place that's considered safe, you know, uh, because he's now a target. He is now a target in the system because you do not say no to doing this. So, you know, he risked his own life to not beat up somebody. So, you know, that just shows how peaceful he is and not a threat to anyone, you know. Well, that's what they do, too. Like, if you don't pay your taxes, that's what they do. They throw you uh, in the jail, and they make it miserable for you. Uh, if you yeah. don't pay, like, dude, it's it's basically bl- a weird kind of violence blackmail that is done. Um, your son has been accused of being the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, can you tell us, the listeners, what, who and what is the Dread Pirate Roberts? Yeah, and um, from what I understand, by the time that name was said, Ross wasn't even involved until later. But um, that gets complicated. But we do have a um, thing on our website called uh, Silk Road, The Real Untold Story. And if people want to dig into it, there's all kinds of footnotes and stuff like that. But the Dread Pirate Roberts was a character in the Princess Bride movie that was based on the idea of passing along the title to the next guy. And that's what was done. And so, um, from what I understand, and that, yeah, and so that was the, um, what Dread, DPR, Dread Pilot Roberts was. It was the person, supposedly the head administrator, totally anonymous, no proof that it was ever Ross. Um, all these chats attributed to DPR are anonymous, no witnesses, nothing, could be anyone, and I think it's pretty clear that it wasn't him in a lot of them. And, um, yeah, so it was the main, there were many handles. And that was the one of the main administrator who there were there's good evidence. And it was in Deep Web, the movie, that there's many people use that handle. Um, but, you know, it was lots of administrators throughout the three years. It was out. Yeah, it's basically based off the character <laughs> from The Princess Bride. And the whole thing was like you would be the Dread Pirate Roberts for a while and then you would pass it on to somebody else. Your job is not to be there forever. You're only meant to be there for a short time, which is what I think the booker at the comedy store so should like be. When you st- <laughs> so like when he started the, the Silk Road thing, the person that would run... But, but the- you keep saying that. I don't think he started well, Silk okay, Road. Okay, well, not that he's... But whenever... He, 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 he admits to creating it. Oh, he yeah, did? He so did. he did create he it. Did. He did create it. Okay, so when, my yeah. apologies. No, so- it was his idea. It was his, um, you know, free market idealism. You know, we're going to make this thing. He did have help because he's not a computer programmer. <laughs> and that came out in trial. But he he is responsible for the idea of the, of the site. So when he started that, he did, uh, when he created the website, he started that it would be called administrator or whatever was the main, the user. Yeah, and, and then, yeah that was who the name was. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it is said that he sold the company or the website to somebody. And when he sold it is when it became the Dread Pirate person. And that's when technically Ross wasn't part of the company anymore. Is that right? I'm not sure of the exact timing, but I, I know that by the time DPR was announced, he was not involved. Um, and then, um, what was I going to say? It, Sorry. It, yeah, that's correct. Did, did he sell the? Did he sell it? I, you what? know, I have not talked to him about exactly because it's this technical way that it got exchanged, and I'm not actually sure. To be honest, I, I can't speak to that. I'm not sure if it was. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, but at one point it did get. I mean, there's a guy who's come out now in trial saying he was co-owner. Uh, his name's Thomas Clark. It's just coming out in the Southern District now. So I don't know what exact exchanges happened between them. I don't know every single detail of all this stuff because it's, you know, I don't get to talk to Ross except when, when, um, you know, in the prison. So, uh, but I'm not sure if there was money exchanged or what exactly the agreement was at the time. Well, I mean, what we're seeing is obviously a, a case built on such circumstantial evidence. It doesn't even make sense. There's nothing that actually ties him to 
what they're saying happened. And, you know, so let me get into this. When he was arrested, what happened at the arrest? It's a very famous kind of story, right? How did they arrest him? Well, he, he was in the library. You know, that's the other thing. This kid is supposedly running a, a multi-million dollar worldwide empire for a laptop in a library. He's the only one that's, like, ridiculous. But anyway, he went, I don't even think it's possible. But anyway, he um, to the library, and he was downloading the Colbert Report. <laughs> and uh, they came in, and, uh, oh, and then an um, agent who had been undercover on Silk Road and actually never thought it was Ross ever, even after Ross's arrest. He, and this is all documented on our site. Um, said, because Ross had been come back on, he had come back and gotten involved as an advisor and stuff like that. I'm not sure if all those details are in that document. And so he said, log on. And once he logged on, they grabbed him. So... So that is a big, I mean, that sounds to me like um, entrapment. I know, uh, it does. It does. Uh, I but mean, I think it's entrapment a lot from what I understand, and I think it's not a big deal. Yeah. So a big part of this case is, uh, and this is what is very important in understanding what's happening in this case, is that how did the FBI figure out where the servers were? <laughs> And that's a big sticking point in this because, because what is the defense is contending is that the, the FBI hacked in to the server, which would make it illegal to any of that evidence found would be gotten illegally and should not be introduced into the trial. Like, you know, if someone goes into your house and grabs something without a warrant, they technically aren't allowed to use that that evidence because they violate the law. And we've seen that now with our phones, right? Uh, more and more uh, Supreme Courts and then all the way to the Supreme Court, they, they can't just go into your phone. They can't make you open it. They can't pull information out of there without a search warrant. So that is the the big sticking point in this um, one of many sticking points in this case is that how did they get into the ser- how they find where the server was and how they get into the server and what was their uh, argument? Do you remember, Lynn? Yeah, well, I don't know the exact technical terms, but Christopher Tarbell, who is the head of the investigation. He claimed he got found a captcha or something. I don't. I don't remember exactly. It was sort of he stumbled upon this thing, and experts around the world said this is garbage. This is obviously lies. This is, and so they figure these experts said. I think it's the NSA. But um, Tarbell said, and then, and then we asked, or not we, but the defense said, well, "Where's your proof? Where's your trail? Where well, we can see what you did?" And he goes, "Oh darn, I didn't save my work." That's kind of like the dog ate my evidence, right? It's like, really? You didn't save your work in the most important case of your career? So it was obviously a lie and uh, experts. And so so I, I probably the NSA did, and that is illegal. And just another point, the NSA was unleashed onto Silk Road, which is illegal, um, a few months before. This came out in Snowden's papers. The Intercept published it a few months before. Uh, Silk Road was taken down. Um, they were urgently tracking Bitcoin users, which will take us to another reason I think they went after them so hard. But um, uh, and the NSA came out and Snowden brought it out is that they were tracking um, Bitcoin users, and so they were involved. The NSA was involved illegally and secretly. Um, real quick point with your saying that they can't track our cell phones. That is true. It was a um, case that was brought up to the Supreme Court called Carpenter versus U.S. At the same time, Ross's case was before the Supreme Court. And his was about tracking you with your laptop. And they didn't address it, even though a laptop and a phone were pretty much the same thing. And um, so that still, uh, they can still, without a warrant, secretly, with no oversight, go into anything you do on the Internet through your laptop. And even your phone, I guess, if it's on the Internet. Uh, and scarf up whatever they like. You use it however they like, blackmail people with it, um, you know, all the relevant information that's there, you know, and um, use it and no one knows. 
that is still basically the courts are not keeping up with the, the digital age, and we're losing our privacy very. <laughs> You know, well, I mean, you know, it's so, you know, really interesting. If somebody, a cop came to your house and just walked in your house and started going through your stuff, you would flip out. But for some reason, nobody cares when these intelligence agencies do it with your computer. And I would tell you, you probably have more important things on your computer than you do anywhere else. And obviously outside of murder, rape, uh, child, uh, hurting children outside that, I don't care what you do with consenting adults. The government shouldn't be going through your computer and watching what weird stuff you like to look at as long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, and they can totally use that as blackmail. And we always see it all the time where it's like, Oh, his phone got hacked and they found this video. How do you know that? Why Why wouldn't it just be the, the NSA or the CIA finds something on there, gives it to someone to act like, they, oh, a hacker gave me this, and now they're blackmailing you, and your career is done or whatever, dude. That's why like, I'm brutally honest about who I am and what I do and all that stuff because you know I just don't want – there's nothing to blackmail. I just talk about all the weird stuff I'm into and all that stuff, but that shouldn't be necessary. That I shouldn't have to do that. I I should be able to be in the privacy of my own home doing my own thing if, as long as I'm not hurting anybody. And to go into your computer like that is just ridiculous. And for some reason, nobody cares. And their whole argument is like, oh, well, you know, I'm not what, – what do I have to fear? I'm not doing anything. That's not the point, man. You know, the FBI had had case files on Martin Luther King, Frank Sinatra – Gandhi, all these people, they they had these the CIA and FBI had giant case files on why? Why? Why should we share that? And they can plant things. So even if you haven't, they can plant things. It's child's play. I've been told that by a crypto expert. Um so you know that's another whole issue about it. Um yeah. And you know the thing is in our in our fourth amendment. Uh, it says our, you cannot search someone's home or their papers. You know, well, gee, our founding fathers didn't uh, specify your computer. You know, but it's exactly the same principle. If they um, came into your house into a file cabinet, I don't even have a file cabinet, but, you know, papers, they, they would absolutely have to have a warrant. So how is a computer not analogous to a file cabinet? It's exactly the same thing. And yet we are not protected. For computers. Well, I mean, it's also that the the people don't care because they don't see you going through your computer, so it doesn't bother them if somebody cops to come in, kicked in your door, and start going through your stuff. Then it's an issue because it's physically agitating to them, and they they get upset. But the fact that they can't see somebody doing that, and they can't see that all their all their data is being sold, I don't know why these companies can sell our data without uh, without getting our our uh, approval first. One thing I want to get into is what actually the operation to arrest your son was. There was many um, many operatives, undercover operatives, on Silk Road looking to engage in uh, action with your son. Am I correct on that? Um, with the allegations, there were many operatives. Yes, that there were many operatives trying to engage him and baiting him into trying to do something that they could arrest him on. Um, I know there are many. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like the one who said, "Get on the computer." He'd been on the site for. He didn't think it was Ross, though. He had another suspect, but uh, two years and thousands of hours. They were different agencies were competing for to find Red Private Roberts because it was political. It become very political. And they wanted the, the prize, right? So they got very competitive. But two of the main people, the core of the investigation, are now in prison because they um, got backdoor access and used it to steal, um, well, what would be now worth millions of dollars of Bitcoin from vendors. And um, they had the ability to change passwords, keys, to act as DPR, act as that main administrator, uh, and many other aliases. They um, could rewrite what was in chats on the marketplace. They could change the evidence, which was shown to the jury. But you, but 
they were not allowed to be known to the jury. The fact that these corrupt agents were all over the site and potentially um, tampering with it, which later we found tamp- at proof of tampering, um, wasn't allowed to be known to the jury. The jury never knew about this. And, of course, if they had, I think it would have created a lot of reasonable doubt of, of Ross's of the evidence being not tainted. It was tainted. And, um, you know, Ross may have not have been convicted, but it was hidden from the jury. The prosecutors even hid one of them from the judge, and it came out two months later. And that it was too late. Ross was convicted. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, uh, yeah. there was just a giant trial. There was just a giant study that came out that basically said the FBI had been moder- moderating, moderating um, several um, several targets, individuals who ended up going on shooting sprees. And one family actually busted the FBI, enc- encouraging their son to commit uh, like uh, a spree shooting, uh, to go shoot up a place. And we've seen that a lot where, you know, they get in here and they basically create crime so they could, bu- they could destroy I mean, to, uh, they create crime so they could arrest it and keep business going, keep the, du- keep their budgets up and stuff like that. And that's what we're seeing right here. Uh, there was, you know, one of the charges that your son was brought up on was, uh, uh, attempted to uh, solicit uh, murder for hire, correct? I charge, not a charge, never charge. Well, I take that back. It was not charged at trial. But it that was, was never, one of the... The jury did not rule on it. And it was charged in an indictment in Maryland that has now been dismissed with prejudice, which means it can never be brought up again. It's complete, but he was never actually charged at trial for that. It was only, he was indicted, uh, and then when they came, no, excuse me, it was alleged, and then when it came time to indict him in the Southern District, it wasn't there. But That's that right. was a, that the media talks about it because it's you know they, they said oh yeah he did it, and then when it came time to actually charge him at trial, it wasn't there. They did talk about it to the jury like oh yeah believe us we you know nobody, nobody was killed blah 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 but believe us he really planned this, but that wasn't a charge. It prejudiced the jury, but it wasn't a charge, well, and then the, the judge reason- used it. To justify her draconian sentence. Meanwhile, that was brought to the Supreme Court because we have a Sixth Amendment that protects the accused from a judge using uncharged allegations, which this was, or um, or ones even that have been acquitted, instead of the jury deciding. And the jury didn't get to decide on this. And so we challenged it at the Supreme Court uh, with the Sixth Amendment, and um, to you know, and they didn't take it. Um, but it happens a lot, apparently, I've learned, where pe- judges will say, oh, no, I believe you're guilty even though it never went before a jury. And that's completely antithetical to our, our justice system, what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have a jury, 12 people, not one judge. For sure. Decide. The reason yeah. I brought up uh, the murder charge, because even though he didn't end up going to trial on it, but it ended up being a big part <laughs> of uh the how the judge operated um for you know we'll get into the trial right now he basically wasn't allowed to hear about who some of his witnesses against him were because the the judge rule thought uh that he would try to kill them even though there was no proof that he had anything to do with any of those those initial charges that were trumped up and now i'm sure that this stuff is trumped up so in the media, because the whole point is to put to take public opinion and turn it against the defendant, so that he's a bad man and they want him to be convicted, even if there's no uh, real legitimate uh, uh, reason to convict him. And they yeah, brought- it's, it's undermine support too. I mean, so many people believe this because the media went crazy with it. But just recently, Alice Johnson, who was uh, commuted by uh, President Trump. She also had these charges smeared on her, and I've talked to other people. Apparently, it is commonly done, to, to and then they don't ever charge them at trial, so they don't have to prove it, they don't have to do anything with it, they can just say it, and then it goes away, but the damage is done. It deprived him of bail. It deprived him of the witness list in advance, for that reason you just said it, that, oh, he might be dangerous, I'm not sure how, he was in custody completely, but um, most people get the witness list weeks, if not months, in advance. Our team got it the weekend before. 
because um, you get to research until we're going to cross-examine. Um, and it enhanced that, uh, it, they deprived him of bail because of it, and then they ha- enhanced um, the sentence. She justified the sentence. And the second circuit went, yeah, I can see that, you know, whatever. It was never proven by it and ruled on. It was never prosecuted. It's gone, but not in the media. And this is what this is what they do. And I'm told this is what they do. You're right. I mean, the ju- I mean, dude, even on a, a smaller level, I mean, you go to traffic court, these these judges boast that they have great relationships with the cops. It is a uh, symbiotic relationship. Everybody works together. There's no way a judge would ever get reelected if he if the cops came out and said she was a horrible uh, she was horrible on crime. She just always was letting people go and she wasn't working with the police. So what we saw was somebody who, and, and this is a big problem because we're seeing this happen a lot. You know, it's happening with Julian Assange and, uh, you know, and the trial he's going through where like just the rules of law are being thrown out because it's not even about like right and wrong. It's just about the the government trying to control a narrative and make somebody pay a price so that they are basically um, uh, an example to others not to do this or else the same thing will happen to you. Who was this judge? And what were some of the weirder rulings that she she did? Yeah. And, you know, you're right. They want their trophy. And the prosecutors want their trophy. This is goes, you know, furthers their careers. The judge is Judge Catherine Forrest. She is now, thankfully for justice, uh, retired. But um, some of the weirder rulings um, were Ross's libertarian views were not allowed to be known to the jury. None of the legal items that were sold on Silk Road were allowed, allowed to be known to the jury. Only drugs. Marijuana, which was the main thing that was exchanged, was, I think it was mentioned once. They really focused on hard drugs. And I'm not defending hard drugs. I'm not defending even Silk Road. But it was a very skewed narrative. Um, she also, um, there was a very strong um, evidence from a witness uh, that there were more than one Dread Pirate Roberts. She shot that down because um, the prosecutors didn't want that known to the jury. Um, she wouldn't let our um, Bitcoin witness come and actually explain properly what Bitcoin was about. They had a gov- She allowed a government agent to explain it, and he didn't even know what it Roger Beer tweeted, he goes, either the government's lying or they don't understand Bitcoin at all because this doesn't even make sense what the guy said. And the jury didn't have a clue. She goes, well, the jury understands Bitcoin just fine. We don't need your witness. And I'm like, they do not. I don't, I don't understand it, and I've been thinking about it for years. Um, so they didn't have a clue. And she also didn't allow our technological witness, um, who is a professor at Columbia University, an expert in this, to explain how Ross was on an open source network in the library with the, downloading the Colbert report that anyone could get in there and do whatever. She also wouldn't let um, the, the government witnesses who grabbed the laptop uh, have the defense defend against that and question them thoroughly. And they, there are so many um, uh, violations of protocol with that laptop including one of those agents had it for like three hours unsupervised, um, which is totally against protocol. He could have done whatever he wanted with that laptop. It was also um, crashed. It, by the time it got to trial, it was on the laptop with a copy of a copy of a copy. It had gone through all kinds of iterations. This is not supposed to happen. She did, was not allowed, The jury was not allowed to hear that. I mean, and of course the corrupt agents. She would not let the jury know that these agents were involved the core of the investigation so and there's more you know it it just goes on and on and that's when i lost my faith i mean i went in there pretty you know hey look i believe in our country i think we'll have a fair trial i think we'll you know get justice here at least get heard and i now i'm like no they have weaponized the criminal justice system against people that's why people don't go to trial anymore 98 percent of people plead because they're bullied and threatened, and their families are threatened, and I've been told this by people it's happened to, families are threatened by the prosecutors that if they go to trial, they're going to get a worse, way worse punishment, and they're going to probably lose. Their odds of, it's so stacked against you that um, the odds of winning a trial are so slim that people plead to things, and I think I've had people say, to things they didn't do just because they didn't want to risk it. This is not what America is supposed to be. 
This is not, we're supposed to have fair trials and um, be able to be heard. And all the evidence, and there's a Brady rule about this, all the evidence should be known to the jury. And instead they hid those, those corrupt um, agents. That should have been known to the jury. And that's, you know, a violation of the Brady rule, which is part of our justice system. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so there's like, a lot of problems. You <laughs> say are... one more thing about this judge, because really it's telling. Right. She, um, Ross was her fifth life sentence um, that year. It was only May. She, she's a hanging judge. And she, um, you know, life sentences have quintupled since the drug war started. And there are, I think it's 17,000 nonviolent uh, people serving life for drugs and nonviolent things. This is crazy. And this kind of judge is what causes this and causes mass incarceration. And she's known as a harsh censor, and that's why I think Ross got her. And um, actually, her last, the second circuit even slapped her down a bit because they gave another judge to correct a sentence that she had given someone else because she just is over the top vicious with her sentencing. So you can tell I don't think much of this judge. And and a lot of judges are, I don't know, a lot of them are good, but a lot of them uh, are a real problem. Um, So... I think you posted on the Tim Fallhat Instagram page about how these cops arrested undercover cops. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. Undercover cops are buying drugs and cops arrested the undercover cops. That's tax money. Yeah, (laughs) right? But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about manufacturing stuff to just to get an arrest. Like, would would these... Go on, sorry. Well, taxpayers are being fleeced. I mean, you know, it's oh, I think it's billions, billions of dollars over 45 years. People are still using drugs. It doesn't work. I mean, they can't even keep drugs out of the prison. How do they expect? Are they so we keep building more prisons all over the, our country? I mean, right now the prison population has metastasized over 800 percent since the drug war. They are just using the drug war to further this this horrible national disgrace of being the biggest incarcerator in the world. So, yeah. So basically and, and the uh, the FBI were part of the people trying to solicit murder for hire, right? Like, that's why I saw oh, them. Yeah, well, they're actually, to be, to be accurate, uh, it was a DEA agent, now in prison, and a, a um, Secret Service agent on assignment from the NSA who did this, solicit the murder for hire. There is no proof of who was the other side of this conversation between the agents and DPR. The actual victim, alleged victim, Curtis Green, doesn't think it was Ross. He's come out and said so, and he supports us getting Ross out. He's afraid of the agents getting out, and he has said that publicly. He's afraid of those agents. I personally think one person wrote this whole chat because, it, you know, Ross types like a techie. I, when I, he would write me, uh, email me or whatever, I never saw a capital letter. It was like, you know, and these chats are like perfect punctuation and capitalization and all perfectly worded. I'm like, this is fake. This is so phony. But, you know, or it could be someone else with the DPR handle. And like the guy who, I'm not saying it's him, but he just said it. I was co-owner. So he had total access. He's, he's in the Southern District being tried. Or I don't know if he's going to trial. I might have played. I'm not sure. Uh, Thomas Clark. So, Yeah. Um, the the whole thing about the murder for hire looks very manufactured to me, and um, there's no proof. And That's why I never went to trial. They don't have proof, and they don't have. And we need to insist on proof because otherwise we're all we're all vulnerable. They can say anything about anybody, and say yeah, and, and have Photoshop and make up stuff on your laptop or whatever, and there you go. So your son was your son wasn't allowed to introduce. <laughs> Uh, to find out what witnesses your son wasn't allowed to introduce certain uh, certain um, uh, philosophies, philosophies, but s- certain evidence that would uh, show that wasn't him. Your uh, the the notion that there might be more than one uh, dread pirate Roberts, like there's multiple dread pirate Roberts, right? And you weren't allowed. Uh, I can tell you after Ross was arrested and he was in solitary. DPR, we found that this was found after trial, logged into the Silk Road Forum. Who was that? You know, of course, yeah. So, I mean, that's just solid right there. He logged in. 
We have, it's there. We have, it's, but it's too late because they already have the trial. We'd have to get another trial. And, even their uh, own witness said that they, he thought that, that there were multiple ones and that wasn't even allowed to be introduced, that the prosecution uh, struck that down. Correct. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. And, and supposed to think of, you know, because he was a high level admin too. The, the Curtis Green, the alleged victim, he was a high level admin. That's why he, you know, when he said, yeah, it was a false. And then DA he's, agent? He's, he'll say, he told me. Well, he said it publicly many times. Tweeted it. Yeah. They, they faked a, a killing. Like they took pictures of this guy that they killed oh, and yeah. all this. Right. It was actual was pictures it. and it was all fake. Yeah. Unbelievable. They literally faked the killing. They said they went through with it. He sent the money, supposedly. Dead Pirates was like, because he asked for the hitman. He was like, you have to send me pictures. And when you send me pictures, I'll send you the money. And the DA agents that were FBI people literally took pictures of this dead person. And when they... Well, it's a lie. Yeah, it was, all, it was all a lie. Catch, you know, yeah. Was it ever proven that that conversation involved your son? Nope. No. It was all DPR, whoever was controlling that, which these guys could do. The agents had, at that point in time, the ability to control the Dread Pirate Roberts account. They could do anything pretty much on site. It's like on Sinful. If I, if I log into the page and then you log into the page yeah. and then I log into the page, it yeah. could have been any three of us, but you're the one getting fucked because it's yeah. what? What yeah. does it say on the front? Because it says Sam Sims Triple. your name, not mine. Um, well, and if so, it's not Ross's name. It's DPR, whoever that is, yeah. right? They want their trophy. They wanted one guy. Look, the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. He has the same offense level as Ross. Oh, the guy who was God. running Silk Road 2... Like Benthal, which was bigger according to the government, identical but bigger, sold more drugs, got no time, none. He never went to prison. And, but they had their trophy, I guess. I'm not sure, but they gave Ross. And this is all on our homepage. You can see the other sentences, how, how absurdly disparate it is. And that Ross um, gets double life plus 40 years? That's insanity. And it cost the taxpayers $2 to keep him in there. Somebody who would never hurt a fly. How do you get and, life and not hurt anybody? How do you get life and not cause physical harm to anybody? Uh, government abuse of power and a judge who, who it's in her discretion. It, it, shockingly, it's in her discretion to do that. It's unbelievable. It, everyone should be concerned because it actually puts us all in peril to have that kind of uh, Unbelievable, overreach. dude. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, they were after the, they didn't like the Bitcoin. I'm convinced of that. I think that, you know, no one had heard of Bitcoin. That's the thing. Silk Road put Bitcoin on the map for the general public. I mean, it was a plaything of geeks and everything, but no one knew about Bitcoin before Silk Road. And um, he put it on the map, which is, you know, by starting the platform and he only, you had to open a Bitcoin account, fund it, and know how to use Tor to even get on Silk Road. It wasn't easy. And, um, but, that's why Ross has a lot of support from the Bitcoin and blockchain community because they know that he was a pioneer. He's a visionary. He's an idealist. He's not a criminal. He's someone who thought it was would bring monetary freedom to the world. And it is. I mean, it's helping people in Venezuela. It's helping people, unbanked people around the world. And um, now, you know, of course, Bitcoin's worth so much much more and cannabis is you can have it delivered to your door. You know, I saw billboards like that, but Ross is sitting in a cage for essentially, you know, having that vision. And um, it can't, it has to change. He cannot die in prison. And that's my, you know, we have a petition I'd love to mention. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so where are we right yeah. now? What's going on with Ross? What's going on with his trial? What, what stage are we in? Have we gotten to our, the next level where he can he can fight this. What what where are we at? Well, we've, he has exhausted his direct appeals in the courts because once the Supreme Court didn't hear us, that's pretty much it with the courts, except for one last hail mary, which is called a um, twenty two fifty five, which it, we are involved in. Very hard to get. Don't know that it would give him a new trial. It might hopefully moderate that sentence. But the other way is to have the president commute the sentence. And that's harsh. That's what the petition is really to show that, look, there's a, there's now almost 300,000 
people who have signed the petition. It's on our website, freeroth.org, or you can just go to freeroth.org slash petition, go right to it. And it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, we get a certain number of signatures and automatic commutation. But when I've talked to different people, influential people, and say, this is how many people back this, they're like, oh, wow, this is a movement. This isn't just a guy who's, it's a movement. And um, so you can help us by signing and sharing it. There's also on our Take Action page, freeross.org, uh, Take Action. There's a way to give feedback to the president, and you can put in the comment section, please, Free Ross Ulbricht. I'd love for him to get thousands of those. And um, just so it's on his radar, he has shown, Trump has shown um, a heart for clemency. He's, he's already commuted and pardoned a lot of people. And I'm just hoping he can see the injustice here and, um, you know, make Ross one of those people. So that's really where we are. That that stands a chance. And um, that's what I just got back from Washington, D.C. Try networking with people who support us and say, yeah, let's see what we can do to get this up on his radar. So what have you been, I know you're very active in this movement and you're very active getting the word out. What? Where have you gone? Where have you spoken? What have you done? What's the reaction you're getting from people? Well, I would say our biggest base is um, libertarian and liberty people because they totally understand where Ross is coming from. They agree that a free market should, and a private market, which is a big part of the motivation, privacy, uh, should exist. And they don't think you should be put in a cage if you and another consenting adult exchange drugs. That's a libertarian thing. So we have um, a lot of libertarian support. Um, and that overlaps into blockchain, Bitcoin people, crypto people, and many of them are very libertarian. So that's the base. And I speak at different conferences that focus on crypto and um, libertarian things. But I've also spoken at um, drug reform conferences um, and others, people who, you know, are natural supporters because the situation is not just for Ross. I mean, Ross has a friend in um, the, uh, that bad prison I was telling you about, the really bad one. He's doing life for marijuana in Colorado where it's legal, but he's unfe- in a federal pen. It's insanity. How is he still in jail? <laughs> life, California, he's not, dude. He's dying there unless something changes. This is this is going on. And it, it's got to change. <laughs> it's just, and they started the first step. They passed the first step back with uh, President Trump's help. And that did help people, but there's this thing called the Third Strike Act, which is a horrible, evil thing that Clinton put in. And um, it's like, if you mess up a third time, no matter what it is, and his was marijuana, you get life. And I know another guy, Ross' friend, I actually met him there. He's in there for a residue on a dollar bill, his third strike life. And he's, you know, uh, I could have residue on a dollar bill right here. It's very easy. So Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, it is. But they, they, they changed. So this is even more unbelievable. So the first step back to fix that, but only for people who do it from now on. The people who are in there already, it's not retroactive. So I'm like, what? They've already done a ton of time. I'm like, it's like saying slavery's wrong, so nobody's a slave anymore, except if you're already a slave. Oh, so sorry. You have to stay a slave. It's insane, and they wouldn't make it retroactive. Now, but that's got to change. I mean, there's still people. So this friend is still going to serve his life unless something changes. Life. Nonviolent. Totally nonviolent. This is not America. This is like becoming this this sick place where we're, like I say, weaponizing the system against people way too much. And it didn't used to be like this. This is new. This is a tough on crime, anti-drug. Yeah, but it doesn't work. People should only be in jail for violence and theft. Okay? Outside of violence and theft, I'll let them pay people back, but, but, you know. Well, the, you can do that if you can do that, but I mean, like, if but stealing, yeah, I mean, like that's somebody's property, but violence and that's it, that's it. I agree. Yeah. They can put an ankle bracelet on someone, nonviolent, and have them do community service for ten years, whatever. I mean, you know, whatever. But I agree, it should be people who are danger to us, not people who we think should be punished because we don't agree. 
It's like and no, there's no authority in the Constitution for the drug war at all. With the with the alcohol prohibition, they had to pass an amendment and to get it make it illegal, and another amendment to make it legal. With the drug war, I guess they just wrote themselves a memo or something. I mean, they there's no authority for it at all. They just do it. So this is shredding our rights. This is shredding our protections. The Constitution does not support it. We also- and let me just say one other quick thing about the Constitution. The Eighth Amendment set, prohibits um, cruel and unusual punishment. Ross's sentence is absolutely cruel, and it's very unusual. It's a total violation of the Constitution and the Eighth Amendment. He's, 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 he's used up all of his appeals? Yeah. That's our court system. Unbelievable, That's our court system. dude. He was got, you know, he, the Second Circuit shot him down. That's also in New York. Why you is know, there only so many appeals? He rest in California. He lived in California, but know. he got taken back to New York. And um, so, and then um, the Supreme Court didn't take it. And I was really, really dashed by that. I was so despairing at that because I really thought we had a chance on our, our lawyers. One. He took the case. He said, look, at he gave us such a discount. It was crazy. He's one of the top lawyers in the country. And he said, um, I, you know, anyone can see. He, he met Ross. He goes, anyone can see. This is a kid who's, you know, got in over his head. I mean, it's like, but he shouldn't. <laughs> this is wrong. And he's a Fourth Amendment expert, and they didn't take it. And he was shocked. They don't. They didn't take it. If we so don't that have- means you don't, they don't get to go back and go, hey, Supreme Court, will you take this one? No, it's, that's it. That's your shot in the court. If we don't take, if we don't have judges that uphold the law, we're just have kangaroo courts and we're a third world country. And there's just too much of these. I mean, you watch uh, Making of a Murderer. Dude, that Wisconsin Supreme Court is just throwing out the law because they know that if this guy gets out, he's going to bankrupt Wisconsin. And they're instead of doing what's right and let him out, they're just going to make him pay. And that's what's going on here. They want to make this guy an example, but it hasn't stopped anything because they've arrested people after it and they've given them less sentences. There's more Silk Roads. They just made new ones. What, what? Well, the day after sentencing, it proliferated. It was kind of like, oh, they got inspired. <laughs> they made tons more. I love it, dude. They I love it. They don't have the prohibitions necessarily on child porn and stuff like that. They don't have that ethical, um, you know, con- concern. You know, and, and Silk Road also was more like a community, and you know that from Deep Web. It was like a book club. They had um, advice about how to get off drugs, about how to, you know, deal with drugs. They had a rating system. So if somebody was a bad seller, they would get thrown out. Again, I'm not saying it should exist. I, I, all that. I'm saying that the intentions were good. The, and a lot of these sites now, I think there are probably a lot of bad stuff on them. There's a big community of people with like that needed THC products for their kids in countries that they couldn't ha- have them or states that couldn't have them. So the community was it. A lot of people did get a lot of u- good use up out of it because if you're in Nebraska and your kid's having seizures, you would use okay. the Silk Road to get it for him. So a lot, a lot of the community was a lot of people that were getting a lot of benefits from THC. Now that it's legal, it's obviously irrelevant. But uh, that's something that they well, threw so away I in the cases. Yeah. And I, I was told by Kevin McKiernan, who's uh, um, very involved, he's, um, anyway, he said, yeah, there were parents that would come to him, but I can't get what I need for my kids' mm-hmm. seizures. These are life-threatening. Now that Silk Road is down, and he's a big supporter because he's like, this is terrible. These are children's lives. Why do we allow these the, this one group of elite people to tell us what's right and what's wrong? You know, like, just because something's illegal doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. And like we're allowing these people based solely on their their pockets and their bank accounts to tell us what we can or cannot do. And it's just it's it's it's, it's the system has to change, man. It has to go back to the you know, we need a government that is responds to the people. We're the people. That's what the constitution's, you know, about. And they're so far gone from that. It's it's yeah, we're losing our protections and our privacy really fast, I think. And it can, it's very concerning. So if uh, the, our listeners, what would you like them to do, Lynn? How can they help? Well, we have we have freeross.org, which is our hub. There's a petition. Please sign it. 
there's a way to uh, contact President Trump. That would be great. There's ways to donate because this is very expensive. I, it, the law, even though the court has, has, isn't going on, there's, there's, I still have, we still have lawyers. We have lawyers for the 2255. That's very expensive. And then lawyers, um, you know, helping us with other things like clemency. And so donations are always welcome. Um, and ideas. There's ways to contact us. Like there's a footer of every page. You can contact me uh, and say, hey, I can help with you with this. Or what about this idea? Uh, we just had a guy write about, hey, I'm going to ride from Vancouver to San Diego and I want to make it a fundraiser for Ross. You know, that kind of thing. Or just contacts. That's the other thing. Political contacts. If any, and also Hollywood. We could use some uh, endorsements from celebrities. You know, everybody says, do you have any celebrities? I'm like, well, not really. I mean, Keanu Reeves did narrate Deep Web, which was great, and uh, uh, Alex Winter directed really it. Away and, by he's a very big supporter. But, um, you know, uh, celebrities mean something. And um, it would be great if some celebrities would make a statement. You know, maybe you, Sam. Hey, uh, hi, I'm Celebrity Sam Tripoli, and we need to let Ross out of jail right now because this is ridiculous. I'm Sam Tripoli, and I support this message. Um, <laughs> well, I'm gonna get, I'll follow up with you to get that in. Uh, Please, anytime. Lynn, you're wonderful. Real quick, Lynn, where can they find you on the Internet? FreeRoss.org. You know, we also have Twitter, uh, free underscore Ross. There's also uh, Ross himself. Has been writing in writing, and uh, a close family person has been posting at real at real Ross and the letter U, real Ross U, and you can get a really good sense of who Ross is from those tweets because they're coming straight from him. And um, we also have Instagram, free Ross Ulbricht, and Facebook. We have a Facebook uh, community page, free Ross. So we're all over the place, and um, yeah, check out Ross's Twitter because it's um, you'll really get a sense of him. He's Great person. Yeah, I know you don't think that when you read his stuff. Well, Lynn, I can't. He's a medium, too. He's been writing, and you, I think those, those are worthwhile, too. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really appreciate you. You're doing the Lord's work, and uh, it was an honor to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we'll have you back, and we can maybe drum up some more support down the line. But keep us posted. If you come to L.A., let us know. We'll come down and support you. And uh, keep doing the Lord's work, Lynn. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm coming to L.A. in May. All right. We'll so. see you then, dude. We'll see you then, Lynn. Lynn already. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, so Thank you uh, Aaron. Appreciate you guys. And hopefully we'll see you at the live shows. Take care, everybody. <laughs>